You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Let's open up uh, Genesis 21. If you're there, give me a big amen. amen. And let's pray and ask God to bless us as we open his word. Lord, we're thankful for your faithfulness. And Lord, this morning we present to you ourselves as a messy church, as a sinful people, as a people needing a savior. And Jesus, we thank you for that is what you are, the God who became a man and went to a cross to save us and to bring us back to himself. Oh, your faithfulness, Lord. And so, Lord, have your way with us now and open your word to us that we might see you, that we might understand your ways and that we might grow as a result, being transformed into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we prayed in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Genesis 21, an amazing verse. What a beautiful rhythm it has. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Wow, is that not beautiful? Uh, A lot of verses that I love in the Bible. Uh, This one is in there, man. Uh, great verse. Let, let's all read it out loud together in one unified thundering voice. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Wow, beautiful. A reoccurring theme throughout the Bible. God keeps his promises. God does as he said he would. God finishes what he starts. Uh, verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. Wow. You'll remember uh, a year ago, God visited Abram and he told Abram at this set time next year, you will have a son. Sarah will conceive. And here... uh, God did as he said. God did as he spoke. And at this set time, uh, here uh, Sarah uh, conceives and has a child. Verse 3, And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Notice that it points out the one who Sarah bore to him, right? Because she was menopausal. She was 90 years old. This seemed impossible. It was impossible and this miracle, God did, God, uh, all the things that he had promised, right? And they name him Isaac. Uh, God had told Abram, Abram, uh, this time next year, Sarah will conceive and have a son. This promise he's been waiting on for 25 years. And when he heard it, he laughed. Lord, you're so good. You're amazing. Oh, my gosh. My wife's going to conceive. She's wanted this her whole life. And he just laughed, you know, with joy. And God says, I love that laughter. That's what you're going to name your son, laughter or joy. And here we see uh, Abraham does. Look at this. Uh, Abraham names him Isaac in obedience, just as God said. Look at verse 4. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. And then these are good words to underline. As God had commanded him. You see, this, this whole walk with God is really not that complex. God gives instruction and we follow it. Should be fairly simple, right? Uh, And here, when we do keep it that simple, all the joy that comes, right? And he calls him Isaac, as God had said. He circumcises him on the eighth day, as God had said. Uh, Verse 6, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Not laugh at me, but laugh with me, right? Like, oh my gosh, what, what? You're 90 years old and you had a baby? 
Oh my gosh, that's amazing, right? And, and how long have you been married? You've been married 75 years? Oh my gosh. And you've never had a child? No. And you were menopausal? Yeah. And you had a baby? Yeah. All the world will rejoice with me, right? Uh, just amazing. Uh, verse 7. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Uh, just amazing. Here's the miracle. 25 years ago, at 75 years of age, God comes to Abraham. God comes to Sarah. And he says, listen, I want to call you out of the pagan life that you used to live. I want to call you out of all the worldliness. I want to call you out of all the sin that you live in. I want to, I want to give you new life. I want you to be born again. I want to do a work in you. I want to give you blessings. I want to give you a son. I want to make you a great nation. I want to bring the Messiah through you. I want to bless the entire world through your life. That is the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12. It came 25 years ago, and we have been waiting, and we have been waiting, and Abraham has been waiting, and now 25 years later, God brings it to pass exactly as he said he would. Just incredible. And here's the first point that I want us to hold on to this morning. It is a powerful point. It is simple, but it is a powerful point to build your life on. God is faithful. You can take comfort in the faithfulness of God. You can bank your life on it, man. God is faithful. And we see uh, God is faithful even when we are unfaithful. God is still faithful. For last week, we read the sin that we struggle with, this sin that Abraham struggled with. Well, his sin was lying about his wife. He was worried she was beautiful. He was worried some king was going to take her and kill him. And, and once again, he lies. And God is still faithful, even though we're sinners, to bring all that he has for us into fruition. How amazing. Isaac is born. We need a big wahoo on that, right? Isaac is born. Amazing, right? Amazing. Just amazing. May we take comfort in the faithfulness of God. And verse 1 is so powerful. Let me read it to you again. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. This, by the way, is a reoccurring theme all through the scriptures. I love the book of Matthew. Uh, the book of Matthew was written, each gospel was written to a different audience. The book of Matthew was written to the Jews to show that Jesus was the promised Messiah. You see, there were promises that this Messiah would come into the, come into the world. Uh, this Messiah was promised from the beginning of time. This Messiah was promised to Adam and Eve and to every generation through, and God kept adding more and more and more promises. The first promise, he gave one promise to Adam and Eve that, hey, you're, you're gonna, the, the Messiah is going to come through your lineage, Eve. He's going to be a man. The Messiah is going to become a man. Uh, and then those promises continued to add. Do you know how many ad promises God added to that promise? There were over 300 promises of the Messiah coming into the world. Jesus. Over 300 promises. Jesus fulfilled over 300 promises at his first coming. Amazing. And he fulfilled every single one. And so I love the book of Matthew. You read the book of Matthew. And it says, and so the angel appeared to Mary as it was written. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, and, and so we read these words all through Matthew. It's repeated over and over. As it is what? Written. God did as it was written. And then we read, and then he went and preached uh, to, the, to the poor as it was written. He would 
come to the poor and care for those who are down and out. And then he healed the blind man as it was written. He would restore the sight of those who are blind. And, and on and on it goes, right? Uh, and, it, and then he was betrayed by the disciples as it was written. Uh, and it would keep telling us as it was written, as it was written. And what do we learn? That in Jesus Christ, God fulfilled every promise about him. Your Redeemer, your Savior, he did all this for you, to bring you to himself. What an amazing God. And may we take comfort in the faithfulness of God. He does what he says, and he brings all his promises into reality. God had told Abraham 25 years ago, you're going to have a son. You're going to be a great nation. Uh, the Messiah is going to come with you. The dude was 75 years old when God spoke to that to him. He was barren. They, they weren't able to have kids. And out of 100, God brings it to pass. Here's something we learn. Uh, we, have to, we have to wait on the Lord. God's promises don't come in our timing. They come in his timing. God gave him this promise. And he probably thought, okay, tomorrow, man, let's, uh, let's get, get this thing going. No, but now at 100, God brings it to pass. Uh, and again, this reoccurring theme throughout the Bible. Here's a question for you to ponder. Um, why would God choose a couple who was barren to be the couple he chooses to make a great nation out of? That seems odd, doesn't it? You would think God would choose... Fertile Freddy <laughs> and Fertile Faye to come together and have a great nation. Hey, I want to make a great nation. I'm going to make the nation Israel. Let's get Fertile Freddy. He'll be my guy. No, no, no. That's not what God does. God chooses Abram and Sarah who've been married for 50 years and have never had a kid. What the heck? Why? Why does God do these things? Why does he work this way? Well, the reality is, to awaken us from our spiritual slumber, God will often choose to work outside of the limits of our human ability to bring to pass his purpose. It seems that we are prone to take credit for God's gifts. It seems that we are prone to think that we did what God did. And it seems we are prone to push God out and not even acknowledge this great work that he's doing. You get a young man and a young woman, they're in love, and they make love, and they produce a child, and they think, we can kill it. You did not do that. That was God's work in you. And we are prone to take credit as if we did what God did. No, this is God's work. And so God will often bring us to situations of impossibility so that we then look to him and say, Lord, we need you to do what I cannot do. This is often how God likes to work. He takes a man and a woman who are barren, and he does the impossible. And this is the God who he is. He makes the blind see. I am that blind man. He makes the lame walk. I am that lame man. He makes lepers clean. I am that leper. He raises the dead. And he makes the barren bear children. Just amazing. This is what he does. And this is his work. You see, I want you to know this. You and I are a lot like Abram and Sarah. We were living for sin, living for the things of the world. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not what you, why you exist. You weren't created for that. You were created to know me. And somehow, in all of my sin, God called me out of my Ur of Chaldees, my sinful place. And he said, I want you to, to walk with me. And he did the same for you. And you began to walk with God. 
And then he took your barren life that was broken and empty, that was fruitless. And he says, yeah, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to put character and insight and wisdom into you. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give you my ways so that you quit living a a barren life, and I'm going to make you fruitful. I'm going to give you abundance. I'm going to give you joy, laughter as an offspring. The work that he wants to do in our lives. How amazing. Oh, I want you to know how incredible his plans are for you. Think of Sarah. Do you think she was surprised by this transformation in her life? 90 years old, menopausal, now bearing children, not only bearing children, but nursing? Still supple, still able to give amazing the women are laughing. They're like, like, yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, beyond. And here's what the Bible says. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or hope. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not my life. I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm still single. I thought I'd be married by now. Oh, I'm married, and I, my marriage is difficult, man. I've got this problem. Hey, you're in a good spot. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes onto the promises of God and start walking in those and watch God bring laughter and joy into your life as you walk in his ways. Oh, he is so faithful. Sarah is transformed beyond her wildest expectation. And and here, it was all the work of God. And here's my question for you, Christian. Do you think that God is faithful to Abraham and Sarah alone? Do you think this is how he works with them and not with you? Imagine, just imagine for a moment, all that God has in store for you. As I quoted that verse to you at the beginning of the service, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man all of the things which God has prepared for them. Yet God has revealed these things or begun to reveal these things to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. I never knew when God saved me that this is what he wanted to do. I never knew when God saved me that he would give me four children and I'd be able to pour into them and now I'd watch them being those who pour into others. I never knew when God saved me that he would give all the gifts and the stuff that he's, all his ways are amazing. He is so faithful. I take comfort in his faithfulness and there is nothing special about me. I'm not boasting on me. I'm boasting in what? The faithfulness of God. Do you think Christian, that you're any different than Abram and Sarah, imagine all that God has in store for you. How he's going to take your barren soul that was plagued by sin, that was marred by iniquity, and he's going to bring you to himself and make you born again and now start speaking all of his promises over your life. Wow. What kind of promises? Well, amazing promises. Promises that you will resurrect from the dead. Wow. That seems impossible. Promises that you will stand before a throne of God in the presence of God. Oh my gosh. I want you to know the glory and the splendor of heaven will not be the streets of gold. Will not be the translucent walls will not be your grandma who you miss or your loved one who you missed. The glory of heaven will be beholding your creator face to face. Oh, imagine the inheritance and all the promises that are yours. God will speak your name in the presence of innumerable angels. 
and he will call you to himself. And with a glorified body, you will rise. And Jesus will call you to his throne. And he will fill you with wisdom and discernment and giftings and abilities that you know nothing about. Suddenly, you will be able to fly, even though you knew nothing about flight before. Some, suddenly, you will be able to do the impossible things that you never even dreamed of before. And then God will commission you, and he will say, Now I want you to rule and to reign over my kingdom, and you will be given an assignment that will be meaningful and significant. And you will go, wow, Lord, you are amazing. A thousand hallelujahs forevermore. Never enough. Just amazing to consider. Your iniquity will vanish. You will no longer be plagued with this nature to sin that you have right now. We will no longer be selfish. We will no longer be vile. We will be glorified and transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We will no longer trying, be trying to conceal our failures, to conceal our flaws. They will be gone. And the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ will be yours. Can you imagine? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read verse 1 again, only this time I want you to put your name in it. Do you understand? Uh, read it out loud, put your name in it. I'm going to do the same. Uh, read it with a loud voice as if you really mean it. L look at the, read this with me. And the Lord visited David as he had said, and the Lord did for David as he had spoken. Does that not fill you with awe? If it doesn't, you're not thinking. The faithfulness of God. And what he did for Abram and Sarah, he will do for you. How incredible. May your soul be filled with wonder. May your heart be renewed and encouraged. Oh, the manifold blessings of God that await those who walk and look to him by faith. He's a good and faithful God. Now, if you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Lord, you're here because yeah, I kind of believe, I mean, I go to church every now and then I try to be a good person. Oh, my, my, I worry about you. I want you to know if Jesus is not your Lord, verse one is applies to you as well. Verse 1 is yours just as well. These few short years that you live on earth will be the nearest that you ever come, the nearest that you ever experience the love of God. These few short years that you live on this earth will be the nearest and the closest thing that you experience to God's presence and to God's, God's love. You see, even the atheist experiences God's common grace. You see, even Adolf Hitler, when he walked into Starbucks, there was still a beautiful girl behind the counter that said, good morning, how are you? What would you like today? Let me get that for you. Here's your coffee. Have a good day. Do you know what that was? That's what the Bible calls, that's what the, the theologians call common grace God's love that is in the world it's to all men God is giving us his grace that we might ponder his ways we might receive him and think about him but if you say no I don't want to make Jesus Lord I want you to know that is the only that's the closest you'll ever come to heaven the moment you die there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth it is a promise the moment that you die, you will be in pain and anguish of soul. 
The Bible says that you will be in burning flames that cannot be, cannot be quenched. That you will live in eternity totally separated from the love of God. Totally removed from the love of God. You will be used and abused by demons without cessation. You will be used and abused for all eternity. And you yourself will use and abuse others as you selfishly connive and manipulate in a desperate desire to get your way. You will always be duplicitous. You will be working an angle at everything you do. Nothing will be done out of love. Everything you do will be done out of manipulation. And everything done against you will be exactly the same. You'll be separated from God. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus himself spoke of this hell so often because he did not want us to go there. He said, it is a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. I want you to know God's promises are faithful. And if you have refused to make Jesus your Lord, I want you to read verse 1 with your name in it. God will visit you as he said, and God will do for you as he has spoken. Wow. That's sobering. And if you are here this morning and you think, if you haven't made Jesus Lord, this is probably your response. You know what? I don't really believe any of that. I mean, I know, I know. I mean, you guys, yeah. I don't really believe any of that. Hell, a devil. I don't really believe in any of that. Can I tell you something? Who gives a rip what you believe? Who in the heck are you? Can I tell you something? Your opinion is really inconsequential. It simply doesn't matter. You see, you might believe that the earth is flat. Doesn't make it so. You might believe a million things. Who cares? Who cares what you believe? Who cares what I believe? Here's what we need to know. God is faithful to every one of his promises. And you can bank on it one way or the other. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And I tell you what, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, let me tell you something. You are just a finite created being and your opinion is inconsequential. God is sovereign. He is faithful and he will bring it to pass. And to drive this point home on both sides... Let me give you a verse from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy on your screens. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, let me hear you read this, church. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, that's hardships and trials, we shall also reign with him. Oh, how beautiful. If we died with him, we will also live with him. What does that mean? It means Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. It means we come to a place where we realize we have a savior who's our creator, who went to a cross for us, who loves us so much. And we don't exist for our own glory. We exist to be in fellowship with him. And when we realize that, he says, hey, quit living for the things of the world. Die to those things and follow me. And here's his promise. If we die with him, we will live with him. And if we endure hardship and trials, we will reign with him. We have an amazing future that God has planned for us, an eternity. You're not going to be sitting on floating on a cloud playing a harp. No way, Jose. God has amazing things planned for you. Look at God's kingdom. Every creature has a specific purpose that they get a lot of joy out of. When that cheetah devours that gazelle, it reveals the glory of God. And when it drags it back to feed its little cubs, it reveals the fierceness of God 
and the love of God all at the same time. Every creature will be designed to do what it loves to do and what brings glory to God, and that is your eternity, world without end. It's going to be amazing. But notice this. This is the faithful saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. But on the flip side, the other promises are also true. Rest of the verse. If we deny him, he will what? Deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful to judge us. He cannot deny himself. There are false teachers that say, if we, remain faith, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself, as if that's something good for you. No, 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 that's saying he remains faithful. He will do what he said he will do. He will bring judgment on you. Uh, all, it's not a Disney movie. All dogs don't go to heaven. This is a holy God. And if you are faithless, he is faithful. He will not deny himself. He is a just God and justice will be done. And all your sin, every sin will be punished. He is a just God. There is not one sin that will not be punished. Here's the question. Do you want your sin punished on the back of Jesus or on your own back? The choice is yours. But if you are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. May we be wise. If you are in that spot this morning, you say, well, what do I do? Here's what you do. Repent and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Beg Jesus to forgive you for your prideful rebellion against your creator. And he will be merciful to you. And he will begin to open your eyes to discover God's love for you. And he will take your blindness and give you sight. And he will take your lame, crippled life and allow you to begin to walk with him. And he will call you to higher waters and you will begin to discover the glory of God and the purpose of life and your life will transform an abundant life. Jesus would say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and are, are just worn out from trying to make it through this life, come to me and I will give you rest. For I am lowly, uh, meek and lowly. I, 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 I am a, a humble, gracious God. And if you come to me and walk with me, I will give you a life and life abundantly. This is who God is. You need to repent. He'll transform your soul. You'll have life and life eternal in the presence of God. But know this. One way or another, God is faithful. And God will do precisely as he said he would do. And God visited David as he said. And God did for David as he promised. Wow. May we be on the right side of God's promises. Amen. I want to drive this home just a little bit more. One more verse for you on the subject. And you say, "Why, hey, pastor, what is your problem? What is with the, the, the fire and brimstone message? Well, here's the problem. I don't want you going to hell. And here's the problem, Christian. I don't want you being apathetic and thinking you don't need to tell people about Jesus. And may our hearts be awakened to the promises of God this morning and the faithfulness of God. There's a lost world who doesn't know these truths, and you do. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. One more verse for you, Isaiah. This is verse 46. Let me hear you read this. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Or another way to phrase that last sentence, and I will do exactly as I said I would. Notice what he says, I am God and there is no other, declaring the end from the beginning. If we were writing that sentence, we would say, declaring the beginning from the end. But God starts at the end, 
He already knows what he is going to do on the last day of earth before the first day of earth ever existed. Wow. Wow. That is sovereign. So much so that he created Adam and Eve knowing they were going to rebel against him. And he said, it's still worth it to me because I want to create man with the capacity to love and to understand my love and to have free will to be able to enter into that relationship with me because that's what a real relationship is. And God, knowing the rebellion that was on the earth, found your redemption worth it. That's how much value he places on you. So much so that the Bible would say this. That Jesus would be the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. What does that mean? Jesus wasn't crucified before the foundation of the earth. So what does it mean? It means that God knew that you would sin and rebel against him. And God wanted to give you salvation as a free gift all by his grace. And so this plan was made before the earth was ever created. God said, I know the cost of the redemption, and I will become a man. I will become a man. Not I will take on a man's body momentarily. I will become a man for all eternity. And I will go to the cross, and I will take the punishment of his sin so that I can give him my righteousness as a free gift to all who call upon me. Wow. I knew the end from the beginning. Wow, amazing. One way or another, God is faithful. God will do precisely as he said he will do. God kept his promises to Abraham and Sarah, and God will keep his promises to us as well. He is immutable. He is unchangeable. I want to move on, and this next section of scripture, God is going to do something. There is a three-year gap between verse 7 and verse 8. A three-year gap. In this uh, next section, God is going to do something. He is going to use Ishmael and Isaac as a prophetic picture. He is going to use Ishmael and Isaac to illustrate a spiritual truth. He is going to use Ishmael and Isaac to show the battle between the flesh and the spirit. You see, how did Ishmael come into existence? Well, God gave a promise. You're going to have a son, right? And I'm going to do this amazing work in and through your life. The Messiah is going to come through the son. The nation Israel is going to come through the son. In this son, all the people of the earth are going to be blessed. I'm going to do this work through you, Abraham and Isaac. And yet... Sarah, Abram, they begin to doubt in their faith. Time goes on and God's promise doesn't come to pass. Time goes on and they're still waiting. And now Sarah goes through menopause and she says, oh, we must have misunderstood God's promise. You know what I think God meant? I think he meant you should take Hagar and you should go into her and we should have a surrogate. Maybe that's what God meant. And they tried to achieve God's promises by human effort, right? And they produced this child. And now God is going to show us that there is a battle here between the flesh and the spirit. And Ishmael is this work of the flesh, if you will, trying to be good on our own effort, trying to be good on our own merit, trying to accomplish God's plans on our own ability. And it can never come that way. It's always through Isaac. And so God is going to show us this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Look at verse 8. So the child grew. Which child is this? Isaac. This is Isaac. So the child grew and was weaned. And so we know he's about three years old. That's when a child was weaned. And Abram made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Hey, big celebration, man, big party. My son, he's growing up. Woohoo! Used to be breastfed. Now, no longer. Now he's able to eat on his own. He's growing up, and Abraham throws a big party. And there's celebration and there's joy. And look what happens in this big family party. Uh, verse 10. 
I'm sorry, verse 9. Uh, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar. Who's the son of Hagar? Ishmael. Saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham. She saw that son doing what? Scoffing. Who's he scoffing? Isaac. Wow. Ishmael is now 17 years old. You say, how do you know that? Well, God came to Abraham and told him, circumcise yourself and all your household. And the Bible tells us excuse me, Ishmael was 13 years old on the day that Abraham circumcised him. On that same day, God said, it is this time next year that Sarah will conceive. And so one year later, she has a child. That child is now weaned, three years old, 13, plus one year is 14, plus three years when he's weaned. We know for sure Ishmael is 17 years old. Isaac is three years old. Three, a special number in the Bible. And here, uh, uh, this teenager... Dad has a big party for Isaac, and the teenager is doing what? Mocking, scoffing. Why all the hoopla over this stupid kid? Oh, they, oh look, he just fell. Some, some child of promise he is. Oh, look, he just spilled his milk. Some child of promise he is. Oh, look, he just... He just broke that thing. Some child of promise he is. And he's mocking at the family celebration. Interesting. Interesting. What a picture of the spirit life and the flesh life competing against each other. Right? Verse 9, one more time. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne Abraham, the son, that son, scoffing him. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son. Underline those words. Shall not be heir with my son. He will have no part in the inheritance of my son. Wow. Stern words. Family party? How's it going? <laughs> Big tension at the family party. All the joy turned into... A horrible event. Big tension, right? Big tension. It's very interesting, by the way, that Hagar was once Sarah's favorite servant. Hagar was once, Sarah, they were a wealthy family. Sarah had a lot of servants, right? A lot of handmaids. They had a big company. And Hagar was once the choice servant, so much so that Sarah picked her out to be the one that would have this child through Abram, right? She was the favorite. But something happened. Something very interesting happened. The moment that Hagar conceived, we read in chapter 16, something happened. What happened? How did the, this relationship turn? What happened? Well, the Bible told us, we looked at it a few weeks ago, Hagar despised who? Sarah. It doesn't say Sarah despised Hagar. It says Hagar despised Sarah. I want you to grasp something here. I want you to see this. Do you, know, do you understand what's happening? Do you grasp what this is? Hagar, a picture of the flesh, trying to do God, the right things in the flesh. The moment that she does the right thing, what does she think? That she's better than Sarah. And now she starts despising Sarah. Oh, you can't have any kids, huh? And isn't it amazing how cruel we can be with our little sly half comments that were so cutting? And it all stems from the fact that Hagar thinks what? She's better. You see, there's something called vain religion. When you start walking in some of the truths, the promises of God, some of the truths of God, and you start thinking, I'm better than everyone else. That's a work of the flesh. 
trying to do God's promises by the work of the flesh. And it only fills you with pride. Jesus battled this problem in a big way when he was on the earth for all the religious people were just like Hagar. They thought they were better than everybody else and they were ridiculing everybody else. And you who try to be a good person on your own effort, guess what you will do? You will be a taskmaster on everyone else. I got up and prayed this morning. Why didn't you get up and pray this morning? I went and served. Why didn't you don't do anything? And you will despise others thinking you are better than them. This is the battle between the flesh and the spirit that God is beginning to expose. And notice what Sarah says, cast out the bondwoman who is so self-righteous and her son, for they cannot be heir with the son of promise, Isaac. Verse 11, and the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. Uh, Abram is brokenhearted. Why? He loves Ishmael. Ishmael 17. He taught Ishmael how to throw a fastball. He taught Ishmael how to kick a soccer ball. He did WrestleMania with Ishmael on the carpet of the living room. He loves this boy. Doesn't want to kick him out, right? And so he's heartbroken. What's he going to do? Verse 12. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad, because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. In other words, God says, hey, listen, do what she said. Kick him out of your house. He has no inheritance with the child of promise. Now I'll take care of him. He's going to be a great nation. That's the Arab nations today. They, this happened. God took care of them. I'm not going to, you know, he's going to be okay, but he's not going to partake in the promises of God. Verse 14, look at this. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water and putting on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and he sent her and him away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. What's amazing, we don't have time to read on, but what's amazing is Abram was very rich and very generous. And he sends her and his son out with just a flask of water and nothing else. Sounds almost cruel. But he was doing what God told him to do. And notice how difficult this must have been for him. He rose up when? Early in the morning after God had spoke to him and did these things. And if you say, wow, that sounds really cruel. Well, let's unpack it. Let's reveal some things. I want you to know uh, there are good things going on and there are bad things going on. Isaac is growing. Isaac is weaned. Abraham throws a big party. Why? Why? Here's why. The father delights in the growth of the son. The father delights in the growth of the child. God delights in your growth. God wants you to grow. This is God's will that you would grow. And it is wonderful to watch a child grow. I have two grandchildren, Owen, who's 14 months old, and River, who's four months old, and I love watching them grow. And Owen is at a place, he's grown, he's at a place further along than River right now, because he's 14 months old. Last week, Owen got his first pair of shoes, and was walking around in his shoes, and he's like, you know, and it's so cool watching a toddler, toddler's the best name, because that's what they do, they just toddle everywhere they go, you know, and it's awesome. This week, he was not in his shoes, just a... a had a cup of water, spilt it on the floor, and was doing slip and slide on the tile. It was the cutest thing ever, man. And it's just so fun watching a child grow. River, on the other hand, she's only four months old. 
And Owen's eating solid food. River still breastfed. And there is something so beautiful, so innocent about a newborn, about a form, just amazing. You can look at that child. There they are in the little bassinet, right? And it's like you can just stare at their face. How long? All day long, forever, right? There are two things that we never tire of seeing. A beautiful sunset. I marvel at it. I've seen, I've seen I don't know how many. And uh, nothing, I love just going for a walk on the beach with my wife at sunset and watching that. And you know what everyone does? They all stop. Right? When that big round ball starts getting, just stop. It's all inspiring. But even greater than that, looking into the face of a beautiful child. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch them all day. And yet there's a progression. And you joy when the child grows. And now he's not just breastfed. Now he's walking and the father delights in the growth of the child. And it's, I want you to know, as Christians, God wants you to grow. And he delights in your growth. He wants you to progress and to move from serving yourself all the time. All you do is just think of yourself and serve yourself. And you think about, oh, I want to do my kitchen. And oh, I want to do my living room. And oh, I want to buy this house. And oh, I want to go on this vacation. And oh, I want to make this much money. And oh, I want to get this job. And oh, I want this. And oh, I want this. And oh, oi, 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 oi. And we finally move, we finally grow from thinking about yourself all the time and serving yourself all the time, and now you start maturing and you start thinking about others and serving others. And your father in heaven throws a party in heaven and goes, look at that, my child is growing. Awesome, awesome. And instead of building your kingdom all the time, you start now working for what? To build his kingdom. Instead of building yourself, you're building others. You're doing things that are, and the father just goes, oh man, look at that. My son, my daughter, they're growing. Church, can I, can I just boast on you for a moment? Or better said, can I boast in the good work that Jesus is doing in you? Do you realize that we have 585 adults in this church that are in midweek discipleship, midweek Bible study, every single week? In addition to that, we have 168 children in elementary school that are in midweek Bible study and midweek discipleship here at the church. In addition to that, we have about 100 young adults that come out on Wednesday nights that are on midweek Bible study and midweek discipleship. In addition to that, we have a youth ministry of junior hires that meet on Monday and high schoolers that meet on Thursdays that are in midweek Bible study and midweek discipleship. And if you add all that up together, I am not exaggerating, not even to one number, you have 800 people in Midweek Bible study and midweek discipleship here at this small little church. I marvel at what Jesus is doing in you. And I would present to you, he is in heaven throwing a party saying, my son is getting weaned. My daughter's getting weaned. They're builders of my kingdom. And he's delighted in this good work. But I want you to know something. In the midst of that party, there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit and the Ishmael is mocking the work that is going on. Interesting. Interesting. How are you doing in this calling that Jesus has called you to? Jesus has called you to be his people, to lead others to Christ. How are you doing in that? Here in Genesis 21, we see Isaac's physical growth, and we also see Abram's spiritual growth. Interesting. How do we see Abraham's spiritual growth here? Well, 
in times past, things look a little different. Sarah here wants Hagar and Ishmael kicked out. How difficult that must have been for Abram. And so what does Abram do? Well, we, you may have not saw it in the text, but it's there if you read it carefully. What does Abraham do? He waits and he prays and he waits for God to speak to him before he makes a decision. This is quite different from what Abraham did in the past when Sarah wanted things. In the past, Sarah wanted Hagar kicked out, and guess what Abram did? He kicked her out, chapter 16. And she was kicked out with a, you know, out on her own, and God comes to her and says, hey, 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 go back home. Go back home. I don't want you kicked out. Here we see Abram is growing. He's changing. In the past, Sarah would say, Abram, uh, I don't think I'm having any kids. I think you need to take a handmaid. I think you need to sleep with Hagar. And Abram said, okay. And he didn't pray on it. He didn't go to God. And here we see Abram's growth. She says, kick the son out. And God says, Hang on, hang on, slow down. Let me pray on this. Let me hear from God on this. And he seeks God's face. Men, I want you to know, being a good spiritual leader is a hard job. Ladies, I want you to know, being a good spiritual leader is a hard job. Have some mercy on your husband. Realize that his role is difficult. Support him in it. Even though he's messed up and flawed, support him in it. You see, men have a greater responsibility than doing what their wife wants. What is that greater responsibility? Doing what God wants. And sometimes they're mutually exclusive, right? And so here, Abram doesn't just do whatever she wants. And men, I want you to know, it is a, path a pathetic sight. It is a pathetic sight. When a man just bows to his, his wife's every whim. And if you do that, trying to please her, the last thing you will do is please her. She will not respect you. It's a weird paradox. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. <laughs> do what's right. Do what God wants. And she will respect you and admire you. It takes a little longer, but it works way better. And this time, Abraham, instead of just listening to his wife, he says, woman, slow down. And he prays and he seeks God's face and he waits to hear God's word. And then when God speaks to him, God says, Abram, listen to Sarah. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. I am so thankful for the voice of a wife. It is a great thing to ponder and to consider. Abraham probably would have never thought of this if it wasn't for the voice of his wife, and it was God's will. And so we need the voice of our wife, but we first need to make sure that we're walking in what God wants us to do. And here's what we see here. We see that God is prophetically revealing spiritual truths through Ishmael and through Isaac to us. This is the last point that I'll give you, and we'll begin to wrap up. Uh, spiritual truth about this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Here's the, here's the truth that God is revealing. God's promises can only be received by faith. They cannot be earned by human effort. Ishmael was an attempt of the flesh to earn the promises of God. And God says, it's not possible. It's not possible. Ishmael was the human attempt to bring what God said into existence. And God says, sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by human effort. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I will bring it to pass. And this is an important truth that we have to learn. 
and it seems cruel that Abram would kick out the son. God will take care of the son. God is trying to teach us, the church, something prophetically. And Galatians makes it very clear that this lesson was written for our learning. This lesson of kicking Ishmael out was for us to learn something. Look what Galatians 4 tells us about this. Let me hear you read this. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. Who's the bondwoman? Hagar. Who's the free woman? His wife, Sarah. Okay, let's go on. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Who is that? Ishmael. And he of the free woman was born through God's promise. Who was that? Isaac. Now look, now look at this. Which things are symbolic? Which things are for you and for me to grasp and to understand? What's that? What is symbolic? Well, here's what God is telling you. In this world, there is a child of the flesh and there is a child of the spirit. In this world, there is an Ishmael and there is an Isaac. And the Ishmael will always taunt and ridicule and accuse the Isaac. It's just the way it works. The child of the flesh will always mock the child of the spirit. It happened today when you came to church, whether you know it or not. There you were trying to find a parking spot. You finally found one. And then you come walking in the front door down Carlsbad Village Drive with your Bible in hand. And the Ishmaels of the world were looking over at you going, look at those Bible thumpers. They're so ridiculous. Look at those fools. They're going to church while we go surfing. We're going to go smoke some weed and hit some waves, and they're going to church. What a bunch of fools. Do you know what that is? That is Ishmael mocking Isaac. Wow. In the world, there are Ishmaels and there are Isaacs. Not only in the world, but guess where else? Inside of you. Inside of you, there is an Ishmael and an Isaac. And you will fail. You will make a mistake. You will blow it. And the Ishmael will say, oh, look. Look at the child of promise. Look how messed up you are. David, you call yourself a Christian? Are you kidding me? David, you're going to go preach a sermon after what you just did? David, you think, you think God's going to use you? And the Ishmael will always mock and taunt the Isaac. It is a celebration. It is a party. It is a rejoicing. My child's growing. The child of the Spirit is growing. And Ishmael says, oh, look, the child of promise just spilt his milk. The child of promise just broke the, 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 the plant. The child of promise just did something stupid. And he's mocking the child of promise. And wisdom says, the child of the flesh has to go. Why did God have Ishmael, excuse me, why did God have Abram send Ishmael out with no food, with no caravan of wealth, without 45 camels behind, hauling all the stuff they need to go start a new life? Why? Because you cannot feed the flesh. You have to crucify it. Do not give anything to the flesh. Cast it out. It has no part with a child of inheritance. And the, the, the imagery breaks down at that point. God took care of Isaac, excuse me, of Ishmael, okay? Uh, God's not cruel, right? But he's painting a picture. These things were symbolic for us. May we be wise. Are you holding on to these truths? Are you grasping them? God's promises can only be received by faith. 
They cannot be earned by human effort. May we be wise. May we be wise. In you there is a child of the flesh, and in you there is a child of, a, of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 4.29, we looked at the previous verse. Let's look, go on, one more verse in Galatians. Read this one with me. Read with me. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now in your life today. And when Ishmael persecutes you and blames you and accuses you, what are you supposed to do? Don't feed him, don't water him, cast him out. Do you understand? Let's go on, rest of the verse. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. We are children of the free. Wow. To the praise and glory of God. I love it. I love it. The child of the flesh must be cast out so the child of the spirit can grow. Ishmael came into this world from Abraham and Sarah, attempting to bring the promises of God into fruition by human effort. And God says, sorry, can't be done. Can't be done. And if you try, it will always produce strife and conflict. It will always produce self-righteousness. And you will be like Hagar, thinking you're way better than everybody else. When you're a child of the Spirit, you won't judge other sinners as being worse than you. You will say, man, I get it. I'm just as messed up as you are. Come and meet a Savior who makes lame people walk. Come and meet a Savior who makes blind people see, and you will be transformed and used by God. And the result, the fruit, will be Isaac, laughter and joy in your heart, to the glory and the praise of God. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.